like to call it real slob kebab. Yeah, right. Hey guys, welcome back to Real Slob Kebab. I'm your host, Sarah Beauchamp. I don't think I've ever said my name on here, but that's my name. Um, we have a lot to talk about this week. We've got Ultimate Girls Trip. What a what a fever dream that show is. Um, first though, I just finished an article about this, so I just have to bitch about it really quick. Why doesn't Chrissy Teigen turn her phone off? Like, okay. I don't believe in canceling. I don't think there is a cancel culture. I think that is a alliterative term that media came up with so we once again can never talk about what we're actually talking about. We're never actually going to address the issues of online harassment because we're just going to call it cancel culture and we're just going to associate it with being bad. We're never going to actually like analyze how people are being abused on the internet day after day. We're just going to call it cancel culture and, and whine about it. I, I fucking hate it. But anyway, I don't really believe in canceling. And like, I firmly know that Chrissy Teigen is going to be okay, regardless of how many times she's canceled. Obviously, she's like one of the most powerful and wealthy A-listers like in the world. And I get it. She just hosted. Oh, wait, we don't we don't even know what we're talking about yet. OK, so Chrissy Teigen hosted a party where it was a Squid Games themed party and everyone's, you know, dragging her because it's the show is literally about rich people like fighting to the death for some money because society doesn't give a shit about them. So everyone was like, huh, she's a little tone deaf. Like she didn't get it. I fully understand enjoying the show. I personally couldn't watch it after the green light, red light scene. That was too much for me. I think everyone else is deadened to that kind of violence. And to you, I say congrats, I guess. But like, I fucking cannot watch that shit. I feel really bad because I'm sure it was a very well-made show. But like, goddamn, shit, that was dark. So I didn't really finish it after that. But I understand why she would like the show. I understand even why she would want to have a party with the with the theme it's cute i get it well it's dark actually but the costume she did for the green light red girl was amazing she really nailed it but then she proceeds to share photos of this party on instagram that's where she loses me so she previously was already quote unquote canceled earlier this year because she was found out to have told courtney stodden i believe is courtney's last name a model and a teenager who was married to a 50 year old man and I don't honestly remember like this scandal or any of this happening at the time but I guess this was about like mid 20 teens and so Courtney was only 16 years old when they met this 50 year old man and it was this big media frenzy where basically everyone was coming for Courtney and not the 50-year-old man. Um, calling Courtney a whore, a slut, telling them to go kill themselves. And Tegan was one of these people. I mean, these aren't just like trolls on the internet. We're talking like Anderson Cooper made fun of Courtney on his show. Um, Jason Alexander rubbed Courtney's boobs with his cell phone in a funnier die skit and then made a joke about um, having sex with them when they were 18 years old, having sex with Courtney once they turned 18. So truly like people that like A-listers who we consider, you know, whatever, non-problematic people in our society 
um, were coming for this literal teenager who was clearly being manipulated by this older man. But our society is just like not equipped to have these conversations, obviously. And they just turned it all on Courtney. And we're like, why would you get married so fast? Why are you gonna ask this 50 year old man why he is rushing this fucking, forcing this teenager into marriage? Anyway, Tegan was one of the people who told Courtney to kill themselves and was rightfully called out for it. That's disgusting behavior. Honestly, I'm, I'm fully for like forgiving people and allowing them to grow and like change. But DMing someone and saying, I can't wait for you to die, like, to me, that's on another level. I personally, I don't care how much you've grown. I don't want to fucking know you if you've done that to someone. I don't care. I don't care if it was 10 years ago, 25 years ago, 35 years ago. I don't care if you were drunk, high. I don't give a shit. That's a, that crosses a line, personally, for me. I don't know anyone who would do that, even in their even at their youngest, most ignorant. I mean, Chrissy wasn't, like, a teenager. She wasn't in high school. What was she? She, I mean, she was, like, in her 30s, probably, when this happened telling a literal teenager to kill themselves. Anyway, so she was rightfully dragged and called out for that. And then she shared this like weepy post. This was in like May this year. Then she shared this like weepy post where she's like getting canceled sex. I know you guys don't know what it's like, but it's like really hard. And like, I can't even go outside. And like, I can't stay inside. And there's just like nowhere to go. Bitch. Courtney was literally quote unquote canceled while being emotionally and psychologically abused by this 50-year-old terror. They didn't have a family to go home to. They didn't have a, a fucking EGOT-winning husband to go home to, to tuck themselves into their Egyptian cotton sheets in their $18 million. That wasn't Courtney's reality. You beat up on Courtney in addition to millions of other people beating up on them at a time when they were at their absolute lowest. They didn't have fans. They didn't have money. They didn't have all the things that you have. And to not put that in perspective in that time where you're locked up in home being quote unquote canceled, to not connect those dots, I think is just like the saddest thing ever. It's just like you are committed to being self-involved, aren't you? You are going to make this about you if it fucking kills you. That shit just grosses me out. So... She's already been fucking canceled this year. Isn't this enough? You'd think she would just call it a day, but she can't. She comes back again and again because I truly believe she's like insatiable for attention. And if you're one of the people listening, be like, I really like Chrissy Teigen. I don't want her to leave the internet. Then maybe you can't relate to this. I personally am not like I've never, I haven't been like a long time follower of Chrissy. I'm not, you know, I'm not like, oh, I can't wait for her to tweet today. She doesn't really make or break my internet life. So I can understand if maybe she's like, a really funny presence for you in the internet and she really makes your day and you're like no please don't tell her to leave but I don't know about that I don't know all I see her doing is selling popcorn seasonings and cookie dough and donut pjs I don't really see her doing anything like that fucking amazing on the internet I think she can just call it like call it a day why are you posting squid game theme parties it's almost like does it not feel as good to waste those that kind of money on a party if you don't post it like isn't is it not I would love to talk to like a famous person about this. It, it does it not feel as good to have the status and the wealth if people can't see it. It's kind of like the tree in the forest, right? Does Chrissy think to herself like, yeah, I'm really rich. Yeah, I'm really hot. Yeah, everything's perfect, but people can't see it. People can't see it. Yeah, I live in this fucking museum and I can afford to spend hundreds of thousands of dollars on this fucking offensive party. Should I show people? Like, does it? Oh, I need to show people like when where does that urge come from to just need people to see how wealthy 
and ridiculous you are. That's where it's a bridge. That's a bridge too far for me. I don't know. I don't understand that. Just turn off your fucking phone. Live your fucking life. You've passed the baton. You know what I'm saying? You've been on magazine covers. You've hosted television shows. You've officially worn out your stay. Once you tell a teenager that you can't wait for them to die while they're being taken advantage of by a 50-year-old man on the internet, that's your cue, okay? That's your playoff music. Just throw your phone in the ocean, Chrissy. Okay, so that's my rant. Also, I started to watch Tiger King and I couldn't do it. Didn't we learn to just leave these animals alone? I hate that these like animal abusers have a fan base and are like just continuing to fuck with the animals. Wasn't the point of that to say, you know what? I'm just going to stop. There's not a point to anything anymore. There's a, everything is pointless. I think that's what I need to just embrace. Okay. Before we get into Ultimate Girls Trip, we're going to start with Salt Lake City. We finally get to see the rest of the arrest. Honestly, it was disappointing. This weird episode is just Meredith being eerily calm at the Vale house. She was there early and she's in the bathtub with like a bubble beard when Mary comes in and Mary's like, what the fuck are you doing? You know, if Mary thinks you're doing something weird, you're doing something real fucking weird. And then we get to see like a little dialogue in the car about it. But there isn't that like big, like, holy shit, what the fuck just happened moment like you like you think there should be. Also, this is the biggest and best house Vale has to offer. Is it? It looks like a really small, shitty house. Is Vale like? I'm, I'm assuming Vale's really expensive, but I would have thought SLC had the budget for that. I like honestly. I'm not usually one who's like, oh, they got to spend a lot of money for me to enjoy the show. But a trip, yeah, you got to get a nice house. Why are you getting a house that I could afford? This isn't fun. I mean, I doubt I could afford that house, but you know what I mean. Everyone's freaking out. Well, some people are freaking out. Lisa's freaking out. She's calling like 84 lawyers in the car. Jenny doesn't seem that interested. I kind of love Jenny's reaction. She's like, I don't know. I just met these, this bitch. I don't, who knows? And then Lisa says Meredith might know something, which becomes really apparent when we see Meredith in her bubble beard because she's just not giving, she's just not giving a shit. She could, she doesn't, she's not showing like a lick of empathy. So, I mean, the rumor that she called the feds, I feel like has, has some more weight to it after this episode. Also, we found out that Meredith spent 80 grand on, or Jen spent 80 grand on Meredith's birthday party. And you're gonna get mad because she liked a couple of tweets about your kid. I know that's controversial about the tweets and the kid or whatever, but I don't think that Brooks counts as a kid, okay? He's like a 28 year old, right? He's like 20, he's in his 20s and he's a willing participant of the show. He literally moved home to be on the show. I feel like to be like, we can't tweet about him when he openly mocks my vagina on TV. I don't know. Feels like a double standard. I think if you're mocking my vagina on TV, I might like a few tweets that are a little less than savory. Okay? It might happen. You never know. But I definitely wouldn't call the feds. Like, Jesus, she spent 80K on your birthday party and you're going to call the feds on her? That's a little... It's a bit much. I also love, I would like to point out that in the car that they're riding in to Vale, there's just a loaf of Wonder Bread and like five water bottles there. I don't know if they were planning on like getting blackout wasted or something, or like feeding some geese on their way to Vale. I don't really know what that is, but I thought that was funny. 
It's kind of a sad party bus after the arrest. I feel like their vibe was like so fun. And now they're just like eating snacks and talking about how much time Jen's going to get. Whitney is like, she's going to prison. She's like immediately, oh, Jen's going to prison. She's got like hall monitor energy. She feels like she's like worried about them being implicated already. Jenny's like, yeah, whatever, calm down. I really love Jenny's complete apathy to what's happening. She's like, I can't believe I'm missing fucking science Saturday for this shit. Yeah, Meredith is just like, I saw this coming. I saw it coming. I saw it coming. It's like, okay, well, how much did you see it coming? Like, did you see the Fed's GPS because you called that and you knew where they were? Also, she was like, no one wanted to listen to me. I don't remember Meredith ever trying to talk about Jen doing this. Maybe she's referring to off-camera conversations, but I, I feel like Meredith is just coming in late being like, I always knew, I was, I was warning you. Also, I love them all in the car talking about other ways that you can front money, like uh, launder money. And they say that uh, laundry mats are a real humdinger. I thought that was amazing. Also, finding out that you can dump a million dollars and report zero profits for five years is some rich people shit. Whatever Whitney was talking about, you can like dump a million dollars into a business and have zero profits for five years before anyone like asks questions or something. I don't know. Rich people know all the loops. When they say hard work is what you need to be rich, they are lying to your face. Also, why are they so obsessed with wealth as Mormons? Why do I feel like, I know there's that whole like you seek perfection thing, but isn't there like, doesn't there have to be a thing about like greed? Don't any of these religions have a thing about greed? Or are they just like, it's cool as long as it's in the name of God? And then Mary was surprisingly like the moral compass in the room. Mary was like, I just don't know how you do all these horrible things and smile in people's faces. And it was like, yeah, that actually is what we should be thinking about. But Mary, aren't you doing that? How are you smiling in our faces while you're running a cult? She had a lot of, she was like, I couldn't tell if maybe this is some guilt for her own thing, but she seemed really concerned. Oh, and then bless Jenny for bringing it up at dinner so they could all talk about it again. Nothing really happened. They just got there. They thought Meredith was weirdly calm. Then they all have dinner. And then that's when Meredith tells them all that she, like, she's known that Jen's bad news this whole time because I guess someone she works with stole a purse from one of Meredith's stores. But it's like, why would that incident lead you to believe that she was siphoning money from fraudulent businesses on the internet? You know what I mean? How'd you get from me to be there? I would just be like, oh, that guy accidentally took that purse or he wanted it, so he stole. Why would that be? Why would that? I don't know. But that she told that riveting story about the purse being stolen and thought that that was somehow like a big bomb to drop. I mean, she was just arrested for fraud. So I like, who cares about the purse? Who's thinking about the purse right now, Meredith? And that was pretty much it. I don't really have any other notes from that episode. Did anything else happen? I mean, you guys tell me. I was bored as hell. I was really expecting some excitement after that arrest and I didn't get it. So let's move on to Potomac. Another kind of a snooze. This reunion is, you know, it's, it's, it's whatever. I definitely feel like Candace is dealing with some double standards. I feel like they're talking to her like she's a little kid this reunion. It's like, yeah, she's not perfect, but I just, I don't know. I feel like they're all acting like they don't do the same exact shit, but just in like a different way. And Candace is right. If you leave her alone, she won't have to go there. Don't make her go there. Don't make her throw a butter knife at you. I love how they flash back to the fiery box scene. This, these seasons are so long. I completely, I thought fiery box sing sing was like three years ago, but it was the beginning of this season. Her just being like, oh, I said sing sing. Cause I like the alliteration. 
It was too good. Giselle and Karen were really making me cry, though, when Giselle was talking about Karen being nice to her kids, even though she didn't have to be. That made me cry. Giselle crying? Oh, my God. Mia was crying. Mia was like, I don't even know you. That was really touching. I also love Giselle and Ashley's face every time Wendy speaks. You can tell they are fucking over her shit. Wendy's like, she's like the Erica Jane of the season. I feel like she's like injecting herself into the reunion when she doesn't need to be. Like people will be having a conversation. She'll be like, well, I never did that. And it's like, okay, no one's fucking talking to you right now. Calm down. Her talking about that BBL though. I'm not going to lie. That sounds like a great procedure. I'm not going to do it after hearing that people like die from it and stuff. But that sounds pretty nice. Oh, we don't need to see how the placenta pills are made. If I have to see Ashley's placenta one more time, it looks like a dead man array. I just don't need to see it. And then Michael talking about her body, like, oh, you gotten back into shape really quick. That's good for me. Like, ugh. Your body looks like Pillsbury biscuits right out of the tube. Gross piece of shit. Also, if he's producing porn, good for him. It's probably less riskier than regular movies. And also, like, like Ashley gives a fuck how he's making his money. She's like, I don't give a shit if it's porn. I just want him to make money. My only concern about movie production was that he would lose it. Like, why would she give a shit what he's doing? He's already, like, probably giving some blowjobs at the Roundup. If you know, you know. Also, Candace just needs to apologize for calling Ashley wide-bodied. I just, like, she's got to give some time. Like, Candace needs to learn how to just, like, in certain scenarios, compromise. Not all of them, but just some. And the colorism combo was really interesting that Ashley and Wendy and Candace were having. I feel like these shows are absolutely amazing if the conversations can be had like in a productive way. Cause what a rare opportunity to just get to see regular people interacting this way and like the ways in which we can offend each other without even noticing. I don't know, I think it's, it's it can be really helpful, you know, as long as they're not letting rampant racism and homophobia like go wild. I feel like it can be really useful to even have ignorance on this show sometimes, if that makes sense. Anyway, also, I feel like Candace isn't hanging on to her specific rage at Ashley for giving that statement for the case with Monique. I think she's just holding on to rage for her toward her mom. I think she's got like deep fucking seated family issues. All of that anger and shit, it's not about Ashley. It's not about Ashley. I mean, there's literally physically no way that all of that anger in her is about Ashley. It's about her mom. But she can't ever speak up to her mom in any way. And she grew up in the type of home where you had to, you know, you weren't heard if you were calm and just stated your point of view. She probably had to constantly defend herself and over-explain and raise her voice. And that she, these are trauma responses. She has to get aggressive or louder or feel more feels more defensive I think all of the time because of the environment she grew up in so all this rage needs to be dealt with in a private room by herself where she's like screaming at her mom but her mom isn't there and she just needs to get all this rage out just to get release it and then hopefully she can forgive fucking Ashley because this is not about Ashley I do love them ripping on Wendy, though. It is really funny seeing them get rid of or make fun of Wendy. Oh, that was a Freudian slip. I kind of want them to get rid of Wendy. I wouldn't hate it if they got rid of Wendy. Also, I love how Mia got a candle out faster than Wendy. That's really funny. And then five to set. Wendy saying she's going to make a candle with five to seven wicks. 
That's like a bonfire, right? How are you going to light five to seven wicks? Also love during one of the breaks, Andy had a conversation about pooping with Robin. This is a good life advice. This is good life advice. If you mention that you like have to poop or you haven't been able to poop and the person or people that you're with are uncomfortable with that, leave. Just get up and walk out of the room because they're the worst kind of repressed people that you literally, you want nothing to do with them. I remember once I went on like a trip with this group of people that I never really traveled with. And I said something like, oh, I haven't been able to take a shit in like days. And they literally looked at me like I was like insane. Like I should be in a cage somewhere. I was like, okay, last time I'm ever hanging out with you. Wendy's recap was hard to watch. She's had quite a season. And this like vindictive blog that people write about them. What's this blog? Who's writing about Giselle's hotbox and Wendy's husband? Like, what's the blog? I like how I like actually want to link to it. I mean, I don't, but I am curious. Also, hearing Giselle describe what these women go through as a social media terror makes me feel really bad. Like, as someone who is on the internet, I don't have a ton of followers. My account literally has like barely 10K. But it's so easy to feel like a true piece of shit. Like people are so, the way people speak is so mean to you. Even if they do have a super valid point, they're speaking to you like you did this to hurt them. You know, like they're never speaking to you like, oh, hey, I think you might've made a mistake. You obviously aren't trying to like intentionally take this whole community down. You clearly don't want to do that. So, you know, let me just explain my point of view. They're never trying to do that. They're just always trying to like make you feel like absolute dog shit. And obviously I'm not talking about people who are tweeting like, you know, kill all women. Like people who are doing those things should obviously be, you know, told to shut the fuck up. That's strong language can be used in that case. But if someone makes a mistake on the internet, like telling them that they're like a piece of shit or like laughing at them or, you know, whatever, telling them to kill themselves. It's just like, it's beyond. And hearing these women refer to just like this inevitable social media terror they have to go through makes me so sad because it definitely wouldn't be happening if it was an all male cast. It just doesn't happen to guys like that on the internet. And it's just tragic. These people are like being so vulnerable. And at the end of the day, it's really for our benefit. I've learned so much from these women on this show. I've learned mostly what not to do, yes. But I've also learned what to do. And that's like to never look at your life as over. I was terrified as a woman, terrified of getting older. I thought 30 was like old as hell. I thought like my life would end at 30. I thought I had to have it all figured out by 30. And watching the show, it's just made me so excited to get older because these women know themselves so much better. And even if they don't, it's like they're always discovering new things about themselves. Like, I don't know. They just make me so excited to just live and and get older and and grow and gain a new perspective with every year and change. And that's really what they do because they have such intense, you know, they self-reflect every season. So they have these huge growth spurts and some of them regress and some of them, you know, I think we just get to witness all sort of the whole spectrum of the human experience in terms of like emotional human experience, not really socioeconomic. But it's just, I don't know. I feel like they really put themselves out there and really take one for the team. And the fact that we we return the thanks by just absolutely making them feel like shit um, makes me feel really bad. And I just wish people knew that your point is so valid and you can communicate it in a nice way, in a calm way. Like you really, truly can. 
especially when it comes to this fucking show. Because yeah, are there some serious topics that come up that can get you fired up? Of course. But for the most part, it is women just trying to have a home warming party. You know what I mean? It's women trying to talk about their empty nest syndrome. Like, it's a lot of stuff that really truly doesn't require what would be described as a social media terror. So just like be mindful of that. Even if someone is pissing you off on the internet, I would write down the way you were originally going to say your point and then edit it maybe three or four more times. And then by that fourth or fifth time, you've probably got something that you can comment on a stranger's post. Paste. I don't know why I sounded like Canadian there. Um, not to make fun of Canadians. You guys are hot. Okay, so that's that was that for Potomac. Kind of uneventful. I think it, the last uh, part is next week where we... Um, I think Nikki's going to surprise them. I think that'll be fun just to watch them get like a fun surprise. It's obviously not a surprise for us, so that's not fun, but that'll be cute. Okay. Ultimate girl strip. Where do we begin? I kind of loved that some of them were sent in teams, sort of like a Noah's Ark vibe. I really like Luann and Ramona coming together because I feel like it's like a people pleaser and then like whatever is the polar opposite of a people pleaser. And then I like how Kyle just comes by herself. They're like, yeah, she's she's showboaty enough. She can hold the hold down the fort. Although I don't know why. Is it like no other Beverly Hills women wanted to come? I wonder what the casting decision was behind that. Oh, and then they each get their own little individual theme song for their intro. I love that. It was like they were all like little witches flying in from brooms from different parts of the country. Okay, so Melissa's friends with everyone. That's makes sense. Oh, in the beginning, we see Teresa gets a card for every day she's going to be gone from her crazy ass fucking fiance. That is a red flag if I've ever seen one. If someone's over the top, if someone's giving you too much and you're like, mm, this, doesn't, this doesn't sit right, it's probably too good to be true. I know that's a bummer to say, but there would be no logical reason for someone to aggressively shower you with over-the-top affection unless there was something that they were trying to get out of it. It's just very rarely the case. So keep on the lookout for that. If some guy is giving you multiple cards for every day, just get the fuck out. I like how Gabrielle is like literally throwing up in the background of that scene. Oh, from, from the plane ride, there's things going on. So Ramona like flips on Kenya on the plane and calls her a bitch. I just can't even believe her her boldness. I also like how Kenya called her Sonia <laughs> in that scene. She was like, Sonia, I uh, was just trying, you know, and she remains really calm too. Kenya's just like, you don't want to call me a bitch. Like Kenya does not even get as hype as Ramona because she's like, who the fuck are you? I like how Kenya says, I don't like to be called a bitch on a normal day, but by a near perfect stranger. <laughs> I just love that she described Ramona as a near perfect stranger. And then Teresa and Melissa, poor Melissa, is just trying to be like, so we kind of like each other now. Like, who knew? And Teresa's like, yeah, whatever. She's such a bitch. But we love it. We love that bitch. Oh, my God. And then she tries to help Teresa out by being like, oh, so Ramona was like talking shit on you and said that you reminded her of the scarecrow because you don't have a brain. And then Teresa just couldn't fucking help herself. And she has to prove Ramona's point. By being like, oh yeah, well she's like the tin man. She needs a brain. It's like, oh, Teresa, 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 Teresa. She literally just said it's the scarecrow that needs a brain. 
So your joke that she's like the Tin Man, she needs a brain, doesn't land. It doesn't make sense, babe. Although you are right, because the Tin Man needs a heart and Ramona needs one of those two. And then Melissa's like still nice. She was like, yeah, that's that's close. He, he's missing a heart, but but good one. You know, like she doesn't even say like, you fucking idiot. Also, Luann asking Cynthia how long her hair took. I swear to God, there could be a compilation of white women asking the black women on the show how long their hair took. Just why? Why do you need to know the logistics? Why? Just be like beautiful hair. She's not asking you how long it took to reconstruct your face. Just like, stop. I, it's so cringy. They ask every single time a woman has her hair braided. Oh, and then that conversation about weight between Kyle and Ramona was very upsetting. Kyle talking about lamenting, weighing like 120 pounds or something. It's like, good sweet Jesus. This is what upsets me about certain people. You've been through an eating disorder. Kyle has been through an eating disorder. It's something you don't just go through. It's something you live with your whole life. We have clearly are seeing the evidence of her still living with it through this conversation. She's talking about how she's anxious about these five pounds. This is the eating disorder that she's still carrying with her, right? Like, obviously, she's not just eating soup or heated up V8 every day, but she's still in some way attached to this disorder. But because she cannot see that, she doesn't even realize like how damaging it is to talk about this stuff on TV, you know? Like she doesn't even realize, like that generation doesn't realize that you don't have to call someone fat to make them self-conscious about their body. You could literally just be like, oh, I can't possibly eat that. And it could be something that they're eating or, you know, it could be these really innocuous things or you're like, oh, my thighs are huge. And like the person could look at your thighs and your thighs are like literally a quarter of their size. It's just about being mindful of like the things we say and how they might affect other people. And I totally get that that's hard to do on your day to day. But if you're on television, like how do you not think, oh my God, it's a predominantly female audience. They're already getting called disgusting every which way. Maybe I shouldn't talk about being disgusted by my own self at 120 pounds. Like, I don't know. It's so frustrating that that doesn't, like what's not clicking? So that was a triggering conversation. I love Cynthia, though. I love that she's here. She does have the energy, though, of someone who, like, wants to go. Like, I feel like, I think Cynthia announced that she was leaving Atlanta after they filmed this. I don't know if that's, don't quote me on that. But, and you can kind of tell, like, you can kind of tell on this trip, she's like, I'm good. Like, especially when it comes to, like, her game night and Kyle and Kenya making her feel weird. Like, you can tell she's just, like, she's too, the show's too much. Because at a certain point, the show is going to become about just, like, more shallow friendships. I feel like that's the direction it's going in anyway. I don't feel like you have, like, those deep connections that you used to have, like, early New Jersey days, even early Beverly Hills days. Those bitches used to have a little bit more history. But, yeah, it's just, like, it's becoming a different show. And I feel like Cynthia is just, like, an example of the purity of the old (laughs) versions of the show. She just, like, really wants to be respected and, like, heard and, like... That doesn't really happen on this show that much anymore, unfortunately. And Ramona calling them, saying New York put it on the map and calling it a cool water show. I swear to God, she hasn't thought before speaking ever a day in her life. She doesn't even think if it's, a, if it's even in the vicinity of the word she needs. It's amazing. And then them all calling Ramona a senior citizen, Luann calling her a senior citizen. And then they're all trying to like flex about who was the better show and Kyle being like, well, we had the highest ratings this year. Yeah, because your best friend robbed plane crash victims. I don't know if I'd brag about that. The old Lucy Lucy Apple Juicy season wasn't bringing in the top ratings, was it? 
Oh, and then I thought that was sweet what Cynthia did on the plane with the photo of Kenya's daughter, but I really thought for a second she was just going to cut that giant photo of Kenya's kid. And I was like, what are we doing? What sort of weird symbolic? Like, I was like, oh, they're trying to be like, she's not a mom for the weekend, but we don't have to slice this kid's photo. But luckily she just like cut like a red ribbon. I guess that was like the umbilical cord. Oh, and then they all want to give the room to Kenya. And Kyle's like, well, we all had things going on. Kyle, 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 you do not have what's going on in Kenya's life. Kenya's literally married to a malignant narcissist and like is going through a custody battle with him. You're filming Real Housewives of North Pole for Hallmark. So I, I think it's different problems. Let's give Kenya the main suite. Love how Cynthia's nipple made an appearance. Wouldn't be a party without that. I honestly get Cynthia being upset about the part, the game thing. I, you know, I get that Kenya's point of like, oh, you have to adjust for new people, but you didn't have to make her the enemy. It was like, it's all about the energy and the intention that you're coming at me with. Like you could have easily been like, oh yeah, maybe let's not do that. Rather than like, oh yeah, I don't feel comfortable with that either. Cause of course that's gonna make Cynthia feel uncomfortable. Like you're making her feel like she's, intentionally trying to hurt you guys or that like she's really shallow and vapid and you guys wouldn't possibly be I don't know there's just kinder ways to say things and for some reason we all just don't know that and we just forget and we're like let's just be dicks this is kind of filmed like love island a little bit like with the confessionals I love the real-time confessionals I love them when they do like the split screen when one of them's talking about the other that's fun I also feel like we're seeing just a new Luann on this. She's such a people pleaser that she's like the tofu, I feel like, of New York. Like you put her in an environment, except for that weird cabaret year where she kind of went to the dark side. But other than that, you put her somewhere, she's like tofu. She's going to absorb the flavor of what's around her. And I feel like that's what she's very much serving us in Real Housewives Ultimate Girls Trip. Also, Ramona saying that she's a trendsetter and everyone laughing in her face. And I think it was Kenya who was like, wow, you have really high self-esteem. <laughs> If anyone ever looked at me and said, you have really high self-esteem, I would crawl into a hole and just wait for the world to end. It was also very nice to see Teresa finally reflect on the whole Joe situation. I feel like she's really had time to like think about it all. It was good to see that she's still not, you know, defending that piece of shit. I feel like we actually finally got like a wrap up of all of that because she wasn't really she described like going to Italy and when he was like trying to have sex with her and she didn't want to I feel like we didn't even get that in the episode also can Teresa stop saying that she's written six books and is a New York Times bestseller I feel like the book number changes too I feel like in some scenes it's six five four we get it Teresa we get it I'm pretty sure Kenya wants to fuck Melissa have we talked about Kenya's bisexuality can we talk about Kenya's bisexuality she was obsessed with oh I'm gonna forget her name I'm gonna forget her name. I forgot her name. The new, well, there was a couple of new people on Atlanta this past season, wasn't there? Basically the young new hottie on Atlanta that like everyone was kind of into. The new, the new girl in Atlanta that's not Drew Sedora. Anyway, Kenny really wanted to date her. Remember when Kenny was like, I'm jealous of the time you're spending with somebody else, I forget who. Maybe like somebody else that she that Kenny was like jealous of. And this girl was like, wait, what? Like, I'm married. Like, I'm not, like, what? I think Kenya's bisexual and, like, talks about it like she's bisexual, but hasn't told us she's bisexual. I mean, she doesn't have to tell us, but as a fellow bisexual, I'm, I'd like to know. But she definitely wants to fuck Melissa. She's, like, obsessed with her. 
And I love how Melissa's like, oh, Cynthia's just jealous of my connection with Melissa. And it's like, no, like, think about this for a second. Cynthia could not be more articulate about what it is she is upset about. She's literally like, I just want respect. I feel like you're disrespecting me. And Kenny's like, this is about Melissa, isn't it? Like, no. I can't believe Cynthia was at Luann and Tom's wedding. Why weren't there cameras at this wedding? Like, if you're going to have a publicity marriage where you're calling the paparazzi when you go to walk your dog, why not show us the wedding? That's a great mystery. If I, okay, these are the two questions I would ask Andy Cohen if I got him alone in a room. Okay, he doesn't have to be alone, but like in a room. I would ask him, why weren't we at Luann and Tom's wedding? And then I would ask, what went into the decision to not show the footage of Dorinda losing her shit on Tinsley and Cartagena? You better fucking well listen. How are you going to use that clip in the trailer and not in the this, in this season? These are the questions that I would ask him. I would report back the answers. Oh, and Luann saying that she just married her drinking buddy when talking about Tom. I really feel like we're getting like the the wrap ups. Like we're they've self-reflected. They've looked inward. They now make sense of the situations. Maybe they rewatch the seasons in quarantine. Who knows? And they're really coming out with some insights. I feel like they, the gals are getting to know themselves. Her saying that she married her drinking buddy was like shockingly self-aware for Luann, I feel like. Also, this whole show is giving me Scary Island vibes. It's like it, like my endorphins are up when I watch it. I don't know if that's sad or not, but they are. Oh, and Cynthia saying that she has to work on her tone when it comes to her husband, Mike. I didn't like that at all. Okay, first of all, I already didn't like Mike when he was screaming at Cynthia to get married during a pandemic, that's another red flag. If somebody is like insisting that you like get married, something that's a huge decision, getting married, and they're insisting that you rush it despite your discomfort, that is a huge red flag. Their needs should never come before your comfort. That's where you're in an unhealthy one-sided situation. Like, do their needs matter? Of course, as do yours. So they are not allowed to trail, trailblaze, bulldoze, excuse me, bulldoze your needs for their own. Um, just some things I'm learning. That gave me a red, red flag when she says that she has to watch her tone around him because that is almost never the case. She said they're very bad at communicating. That's another thing. I'm not trying to hate on Cynthia because like it took me so it took so much work and time for me to get this kind of clarity after my situations. And I totally understand if you don't know how to use the Internet super well, not that I'm saying these women are that old, but the Internet saved me, fully dug me out of my stuff and gave me insights that I never would have had otherwise. But I learned how to use it. You know what I mean? I'm younger, obviously, than them. I know how to use it as a tool to better myself. And I think if you don't know that, you very much are left to just the devices that you were given by your community or your family or your hometown, your school, whoever, church, whatever. Um, and, you know, they don't have all the answers and all the resources that you need when you're dealing with, like, unhealthy and abusive dynamics. And this definitely does not sound healthy. You should not get married if you don't know how to communicate with someone. That just is not – communication is honestly everything – I don't know why people don't talk about this to young people when they're looking for people to marry, but communication is everything. If you can't have healthy, calm, open communication, you don't actually have anything. You just have the idea of something. Anyway, I did not like that she said she had to watch her tone because 
she doesn't have to watch her fucking tone, probably. He probably just needs to fucking listen better. Also, I'm glad that all these people are friends, but I really need some more conflict. I'm going to need a little bit more Scary Island. I really love that Kelly Benspoon is going to be on that. Isn't Kelly Benspoon going to be on this? Or maybe she's not. Maybe that was on the next season. No, Kelly Benspoon not going to be on the next season. Sarah, what are you talking about? Oh, the next season is going to be in the Berkshires, though. I can't wait. Also, I loved hearing Kenya explain what reading somebody was to Luann. I also love when they were thinking of another game that they could all play. Kenya says, taboo is everything. <laughs> taboo is everything. I've never heard that sentiment. I don't think I've ever, I don't know if I've played taboo, but I mean, if it's, if Kenya says it's everything, then I'm going to get taboo. And I kind of do think Cynthia should just like forgive Kyle and move on, but I think she's just over this whole show in general. I don't think she wants to be friends with the Kyles of the world anymore. I think she just wants to go home. And also, honestly, that's a symptom of being in an unhealthy relationship too, is when you're just like overwhelmed and can't deal with your other interpersonal relationships because literally all your energy is being expended on your partner mentally, even if you are physically somewhere else. I'm not saying that it's an abusive relationship. I'm just saying it's walking and quacking like a duck. That's all I'm saying. I love that Cynthia says she trusts Luann because she's European and smokes cigs. First of all, I don't think Luann is European, but she does smoke cigs, so I would trust her. Also, Luann asking them about Bolo, like all dreamy. She was like wistful. She was like, I heard you guys met that Bolo, man. It's like, geez, Luann, I bet you can get him to, to perform at a birthday party for you. That's, you know. Can you imagine the money Bolo's making? Can you even imagine the money that Bolo's making? I'm not going to lie. I'm very curious about how large stick is. I can't believe we're already four days into this thing. Also, Melissa started singing Luann's song and sounded better than her. Like a lot better than her. And I can't imagine that Luann liked that too much. Also, God bless Kyle. God bless her and her Shirley Temple attitude. She is just ready to tap dance for anybody who watch. I love it. I love how she's like always trying to lighten the mood with a joke. She's always self-deprecating. I love that she's just like not, not doesn't have an ego, trying to keep it down to earth, is constantly trying to make people laugh. That's what we need. We need very people-pleasy people to please us. And then Ramona saying third world too. I forget what the fuck she was talking about, but the producer was like, what are you? I like that was the first time the producers called out one of her like Ramona-isms. They were like, no, we're not going to let this go. Third world what? Third world two. And then she corrected herself by saying, oh no, I meant third world three. She's never thought before she's spoken ever. Oh, and the, the Michael, the host of this event or whatever vacation, Luann and Michael flirting, I like how, you know, Luann's like, oh, just having a little bit of fun on vacation. And Teresa's like, I saw you had a ring. You married? I saw you had a ring. I just love the energies coming together. Oh, and then Cynthia tries to talk and Kenny keeps cutting her off. That part hurt. You know, it's like, let her finish the sentence. Oh, and I love Ramona and Kyle staying up late drinking together while everyone else is going to bed. What an unlikely duo, those two. 
But I feel like Kyle would befriend the devil. I feel like she's just a people pleaser and she just wants, she wants everyone to love her. Also, Ramona just walking around the house in her negligee. Does she understand that not everyone's there to fuck her? Does she know that what the point of the show is? This is not the bachelorette for you. And then Luann having like a booty call in Turkey. That was weird. She was like, yeah, we just, when we're in town, we fuck each other. It's like, when are you, you're going to Turkey enough to have a fuck buddy there? Okay. Oh, and Luann saying that they asked her, they being Broadway, asked her to play Mama Morton. I love how no one acknowledged it. Literally everyone just kept moving. It's also like, no, Luann, there's literally no way that you were asked to play Mama, Mama Morton on Broadway and that you said no. That isn't what happened. Is that what you're telling us what happened? That didn't happen. It's also like confirmed that that didn't happen. I'm pretty sure there was a report where her agent was like, she made a mistake. No one asked her to be in Chicago. And then Teresa's talking about Jacqueline. What a throwback that was. All Jacqueline said was, I would never file fraudulent bankruptcy. Was it a little shady? Did she have to say it? No. But like, Teresa was literally like, we got to go, Joe. And like left Jacqueline's life. Like she's so hot and cold, like black and white. But I love the way this show gives us the opportunity to look back on like all of this shit. Like the flashbacks are some of my favorite parts. And now that we get flashbacks from like all the franchises in one show, it's like, ugh, my wet dream. Oh, and then Kyle being like, well, I do what production asks me to do. Like I'll basically like, she'll bring up questions about Erica's legal stuff, but in such a way that it's not like too, I guess, offensive to Erica or inappropriate or whatever. Like, that's kind of bold. You're really throwing her under the bus. She's like, I'm a child star, bitch. I know how to produce a show. I know what they're looking for. I give them what they want. Oh, and Luann calling Bethany out for telling her about Tom on camera. You know, you know, it's hard for me to regret that decision. A, because it wasn't mine. And B, because it was such a good moment of television. And I don't want anything to ruin it. But... In Luann's defense, she's right. I do feel like that was more Bethany being like a producer than a friend. But in Bethany's defense, Luann was never really nice to her. So I know that doesn't justify it, whatever. Oh my God, and them quoting themselves, Cynthia saying, we're cool, we're not like all uncool. And then Ramona goes, pun intended. It wasn't a pun, Ramona. It wasn't a pun, it was a joke. We all got it, you didn't have to say that. Ramona will just let a joke die in front of you. She will just take it out and back and shoot that joke. Oh my God, and then Kyle singing. Waking up in the morning, thinking about so many things. I was dying. That's truly the funniest thing ever. Although it is very fucked up that this was like the darkest time in this child's life. And now we're all like, oh my God, viral moon. But at least silver lining. We can make lemonades out of lemons. Lemonade out of this poor teenager's lemons. Oh, that doesn't sound right. And then basically the game that Luann wants to play turns into like a support group for Real Housewives. And then Melissa has like a slutty sleepover. I love how they all get a night. Although I already feel like it's going by too fast. I really think that they should be trapped in this house for a month. Oh, wow. And then Kenya breaking down at the end of that episode. Her ex said that, you know, like, remember when we were great. And that's obviously going to be a huge trigger because he's abusive and like they would still be great if he could get his shit together. Um, 
So that obviously like made her so upset. It was so sad to watch. Meanwhile, Luann's just trying to fuck Michael still. And then they like, she does a shot out of his mouth. Oh, I also don't like how Cynthia is like, Mark's a good guy and he's just figuring it out or whatever. I absolutely fucking hate the excuses that we make for abusive people. It is completely okay to say the way that he treats her is inexcusable and disgusting. That being said, he's a wounded individual who's going through blah, 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 blah. But to lead with this person abusing you as a really good guy and you just need to see that is one of the most offensive, dismissive, and demeaning things that you can say to someone who's in an abusive relationship. First of all, abuse doesn't exist without empathy. A victim empathizes with their abuser, otherwise they would leave. They would not stay. Very rarely are abusive situations ones where they're physically confined and cannot physically move. They're usually psychologically and emotionally bonded to their abuser. That's why a woman will be treated like dog shit and you'll be like, why would they ever put up with that? That is because of empathy. They have a tremendous amount of empathy for the person abusing them. They think they're a really good person and that they're just waiting for that good side to come out again. So to fucking double down on this, Mark's a really good guy, idea without first saying but it's positively fucked what he is doing the way he behaves and how he treats her is so fucked up and so must feel so minimizing and horrible for kenya and so just a hot tip if you have a friend who's going through something like this even if you don't feel comfortable using the word abusive for that relationship if you just know they're dating a real big old dick it's completely okay to say outright that the way they're behaving is fucked up but that you maybe also empathize, blah, 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 whatever. But you have to acknowledge the person who's being hurt's feelings first. That's just what you have to do. I'm sorry. And then Luann taking a shot out of Michael's mouth. She's just trying to get laid. She's like, sorry, Kenya. No space for that right now. Also, I love how Luann's example of a sophisticated man was Bradley Cooper. That was who, that's her sophisticated, like, choice of celebrity. Okay. Oh, and no one believing Kyle's sex story? I agree. Like, what kind of sex were you having at a full table at a black tie dinner? It couldn't have been that great. Well, that's all I have. Four episodes of Ultimate Girl Trip. And I think we have like three more still. Unreal. Love. How the fuck do I end these goddamn episodes? This is honestly the most awkward part. Okay, love you guys. Talk to you later. Have a great week. Bye. Like, do you get it? Yeah, no, I don't get it. <laughs> but she was saying basically like the scarecrow has no brain. Like if you kind of look at her and the way she acts, like she looks like she, yeah, has, she doesn't like, have a brain. She's like a little out there. You she know? looks like, like um, the, no, she looks like the Tin Man.